Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Liz Loza. Sitting next to me, as always, is Matt Harmon. And sitting next to him, as always, is producer Brett Rader. How are you, gents? How's your day? I've wasted way too much of my day arguing with people that have disingenuous opinions about Michael Thomas on the internet today. So I've had a I've had a great day. Michael Thomas, hundred million dollar deal, record breaking deal. Most isn't he the he's the highest paid non quarter or the first ever non quarterback offensive player to reach a hundred million dollars. Yep, which like awesome, but. You know, it's one of the, you know, there's some things, Liz, where it's like, you should, you know, you shouldn't do this. You know, you shouldn't tweet about it. You know, you shouldn't get involved because it's like, look, there's probably like a very small percentage of the population that believes this opinion. But the fact that there are even any humans that exist out there that think like, I mean, Michael Thomas is like an average player that's just a product of Drew Brees. That pisses me off so much that there's just even any humans out there that believe that. Like one tweet about it, it's like, oh, that's enough for me to like quote tweet dunk it's amazing on you. that this is that which gets you so passionate giving our, given our world's current climate. All right. I mean, Jesus Christ. Like, I, I, that's not the only thing I can get passionate about. It's just what we're talking about in the moment. Is this not a fantasy football podcast? Would you want it to? We were just talking about global warming a minute ago. You want to get back on that? Matt's very upset about paper straws. They're failing him. Yeah, he came, comes in today. He's got, oh, I got another paper straw for my iced coffee. And then I just got, yeah, well, my I just iced got coffee. It's, it's a cold brew. To answer Thanks your question much. about how I'm doing, I'm depressed about the world because of his iced coffee today. Yeah. Did you go off let's, campus let's with, get of to get that from Blue Bottle? <laughs> no, actually, oh. I did not go to Blue Bottle. Blue Bottle, though, to their credit, they, they've got the good, like, plastic, just sip oh, cup thing. Oh, the good thing. plastic. Well, no, not plastic paper. I'm sorry. Excuse okay. me. So like the, the like hard paper tops that actually make it easier. I don't to know. Drink I stay of. at the office to work. I don't like go on field trips to coffee shops. Well, every now and there's coffee here. Yeah, I do drink coffee here in the morning. But every now and again, it's nice to get away uh, from the office when I mean, I spend a lot more time in this office than you do, Liz. So, I mean, I'm oh, just, oh, my gosh, that's just tired. saying for starting this podcast like that. That's how we're going to do it. Michael Thomas is a great receiver. I would say he has even better agents. Athletes first, man. They are just making record-breaking deal after record-breaking deal. He's absolutely worth it. I mean, he was—you you charted it. You have the lovely graphic, but 85% catch rate, something ridiculous like that? 85% catch rate. Uh, I tweeted—that's how I like, got on this stupid subject this morning was, like, in reception perception, you could argue that this was, like, the greatest season 
of that I've ever collected. Uh, number one, he has the best success rate versus man coverage that I've ever charted at 82% chattering Odell Beckham's previous uh, record in reception perception. He was awesome in like every other metric. So yeah, it's a, when I just, I just quote tweeted that and was like, yeah, worth it or whatever. And of course, then there's a couple chuckleheads that want to jump in there like, oh, what would his numbers be like if he wasn't playing with Drew Brees? He's an average player. It's like, come just, just, I can't. One could also say that he is perhaps keeping Drew Brees' legacy afloat. Yeah, like someone hit me with like, well, look at his air yards per target this year. It's like, maybe. Oh, I love, I love, uh, a nice air yards per target quote. Yeah. That's great. Nice it's, ref. Yeah, it's cute. Some other dude. And like, look, again, no one cares about this, but it just, it grinds my gears. Uh, someone said like, I mean, look at how many other 12,000 yard receivers the Saints have churned out in the, in the true breeze, Sean Payton era. I'm like, okay, again, I know, I know your point, but there's been three 12,000 yard wide receivers, not counting Jimmy Graham. In the, in the Sean Payton, Drew Brees era. Two of them are Michael Thomas. The other one is Marcus Colston. If you don't want me to dunk on you on Twitter, don't make it so easy. So, Matt, if you thought you were having a bad day, <laughs> I'm check out a, AJ I'm, Green's day. I'm having, a, a, I'm having a great day. His weeks. Out. Six to eight weeks with this uh, left, not right. All the toe issues, by the way, on the right foot. Just want to note that. Left ankle low sprain clearly much more than a low sprain there's ligament damage there's cleanup he's out six i I mean i'm gonna say he's out six to eight weeks right like woof Uh, by the way like i when i was waiting to do fearless forecast you were going first and you noted that in your fearless forecast for aj green the right to left uh foot address oh i didn't know that That that's a really good point I, i had not thought of that i don't know if it makes a huge difference he's still (laughs) he's still freaking injured but i but it was one of the things that you said i was like oh Well, it makes me think that if he were to come back, because if you remember the right toe issue, he heard it and then he came back like an Iron Man and tried to gut out the pain. And that was what really crushed it for him. Like he couldn't and had a setback. So my thought was in doing a projection, if he were to play the back half of the season, even at 31 years old, even in a theoretically new offense, not theoretically, like it is a new offense. And he's been playing in the last one for a long time. Long time. Right. So he could at least be semi-productive. Um, I also just want to add that, like, I think it's interesting that there's these reports surfacing about the turf having been bad and that it was Tyler Boyd, in fact, who said, said the turf terrible. He, um, said, he said literally we shouldn't have been out there. Yeah, there were pebbles and stuff. So Robbie Gold did that. The c- kicker in Chicago uh, honked at the Chicago Park District and got his butt traded shortly thereafter. But that's not going to happen to Tyler Boyd because of the lack of depth in this receiver core. Um, Tyler Boyd also recently signed to a four-year, $43 million extension. But, you know, obviously when A.J. Green is expected out, this brings into light and a discussion about Tyler Boyd's productivity profiles as a slot receiver. I want to throw out some stats that were actually initially provided by my fellow White Claw enthusiast, Evan Silva. (laughs) And he, (laughs) (laughs) white claws suck. You're wrong. I they're not good, man. You are wrong. You said the same thing about tequila. No, okay. I never said tequila sucks. I said no. You said you when I you spit out the drink that you were drinking in New York because it was so bad. You poured it out when you drank the tequila and soda drink that I drink on the regular. Oh, that has nothing to do with uh, me not liking tequila. That just has something to do with it was a it was not a. I don't like tequila and soda. I like just tequila. Got it. Yeah, but white claws gross. Sorry, no, we just lost a sponsor. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's great. Um, I drink it on the regular, and um, 
summer season. Anyway, thank you, Evan Silva, for the following information. He isolated. So a lot of this chatter has been like, well, Tyler Boyd's not as good when AJ Green's off the field. And you're looking at last season's stats, except Driscoll was under center because Dalton was injured. And there's obviously a drop off in talent there. And please don't at me about like your um, Dalton hot takes. So Silva isolated the Dalton QB games. And this was what he tweeted. Boyd's yards per game fell from 77.5 with A.J. Green on the field to 73.7 without him on the field per game touchdowns. And again, this is all Dalton-led stats. So per game touchdowns from .63 with A.J. Green to .33 without. He topped 100 yards in three of eight games with Dalton and A.J. Green and zero of three with Dalton but without A.J. Green and while this is useful, I should also note note it by saying it's only a three-game sample. So the data's sample. not particularly useful. But you, I imagine, did chart Tyler Boyd, and using your methodology can illuminate all of this for us. No, I think, I think the thing that's interesting about this is it's one of those things, yeah, it's a super small sample size for sure. But intuitively, this makes sense. This is my concern with any offense. Like a couple of years ago, uh, well, many years ago now at this point, I wrote a piece for NFL.com about like why offenses struggle to run like offenses that try to run through a slot receiver really struggle and of course everyone spits back with like what about the Patriots well they had Gronk and Moss alongside a slot receiver really the only offense that at the at the time I could find that ran through a slot receiver that was a good offense was the Seahawks with Doug Baldwin but you don't think Indianapolis because they're using T.Y. Hilton as, I mean, he can do both inside and outside work. There's only really been one year where Hilton was used as like a 50 plus percent uh. slot receiver. And I think that, what was that, was 2016? It would be the year before, before, before um, Luck got hurt. Luck got hurt. Yeah. So, but to that, I hadn't done, that was, I did they the study. They also had Dante Moncrief that year, the year he had eight touchdowns. True. So I did the study running into that season. Um, so at the time, the sam- the sample was offenses like the Eagles when it was like when they had traded all their players except Jordan Matthews and like Jordan Matthews was their lead receiver as a big slot. Um, a team like the Dol- like the frickin' Dolphins running through Jarvis Landry. Uh, the Packers when Jordy Nelson went down and Cobb was the number one receiver. So I mean I don't think it's a but I think intuitively yeah it's tough to run an offense through of just a middle of the field player when you don't have an outside coverage dictator. So intuitively yeah I think it. Along with the fact that, yes, it's a small sample, but intuitively it does make sense that a player of this ilk is a little tougher to run an offense through because you just don't have that explosive element. You know, you don't have a true – because people just aren't – this is actually why it's good for receivers to run out of the slot because – you you don't have a lot of teams scheming defensive attention around interior receivers. I mean, while I think that, like, the effect of double coverage is a little bit – overrated i think people talk about it and throw it around more than it actually is used by defensive coordinators and provides an impact on offenses however it is beneficial for receivers to run out of the inside on just for an individual basis not necessarily a whole offense basis because you're not gonna see a lot of like double teams on the inside you're not gonna see a lot of teams scheming to slot or to stop slot receivers so i think this is obviously good news for tyler boyd from a fantasy perspective because he's going to get more targets, but from a Bengals offense perspective, it's a huge blow. So do you think he's going to get more targets, though? Because also noted in his per-game targets um, without A.J. Green, they were down from 8.3 to 7.7. So he's going to have to play to superior defensive attention now. So 
I guess the question is, do you feel like, or you know what, did you do a fearless forecast for Boyd today? I did. And Hit I me. was just going to say the good, the, this, I can finally say this now, now that I'm done with, the, done with them. In my projections, Hit it. Uh, I bumped him up to, I had him at probably like a 19 to 20% target share. Now I have him at 22%. And what's your, and that's about, he's going to be like 123 targets, 83 catches. Interesting. I have him. I just did one. Yeah. For fun. So 83 catches. What's your yards per a thousand, reception? 1,056 yards, seven touchdowns. So I think we are our, our yards per target. What are you doing at 13 or 14? R- yards per, per reception? reception? Yeah. Uh, 12.8. 13. So um, I have him just over 70 targets, 75. 75 targets? I'm sorry, 75 <laughs> catches. So this is what I did the other way. Damn. damn. 75 catches. Uh, a thousand and one yards, six yeah. touchdowns. Yeah, so we're about in the same range. I think you're a little more optimistic, and I think part of the reason I'm and I felt like that was a pretty generous. Yeah, um, I feel a little generous about that too. Where do you have him ranked? If you were to rank him, I have him at wide receiver twenty two, and I have Green at wide receiver thirty six. See, I think the thing with Boyd is like, so he goes in the same range as guys like now, right now. That's gonna catch up. Actually, he's he's a little bit later than these guys. He's like a six, he has like a six round ADP, but I'm thinking like he's kind of in that same tier as like potential breakout receivers like DJ Moore, Chris Godwin, mm-hmm. um, Dante Pettis, you know, that type of range. I think, and I said this in my fearless forecast today, I'm like if you're if it's like a ceiling that you're after, I don't think Boyd's your pick. Yep. I think he's he's a floor guy. I feel really good about that projection, but like my projection fearless forecast for like DJ Moore is like, I've got him at like 800 yards and five touchdowns, but he could clip, he that. Could clip yes. that pretty easily. Chris Godwin, I've got it like 1,076 and six to seven touchdowns. He could easily. You're good at staying tempered about that. I, I generally can't. That, like, well, I that, get too excited. That's why I like when, that's why I love doing projections. Like, look, am I one of the guys that has, I, I don't give a shit about this. So like, who cares? But I, you know, guys that are like, you know, the super accurate projection guys out there, like I won the fantasy pros contest this many times, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't care about that. Like I'm not the most accurate projector or accurate ranker, but I like doing the exercise so much because it helps you stay tempered. It's very informative. Yeah. Cause you have to actually make everything work out. Like you can, <laughs> you can sit yes. there, you can sit there and do like, Oh yeah, I'm going to give, like Bucks offense, perfect example. I'm gonna give uh, you know, Mike Evans 150 targets, 130 <laughs> to Chris Godwin, 130 to, uh, to OJ Howard, and then you pop up on the spreadsheet like, oh, I'm like you're gonna pass for seven thousand yards. Yeah, yeah. Like, and oh by the way, I'm like my like because the way this one works out is like it'll just show like here's your remaining left for the rest of the team. It's like oh, I'm negative twenty, like I'm way over. Oh, Matt has a whole, of course, he has a whole metric grid graph thing. I just have again. <laughs> Word document and some <laughs> keys <laughs> and a Roto Wire magazine, baby. Yeah. Um. Wow. You're not. Can you show me that later? This is actually a template uh, oh, that Christ. you can that you can download. Uh, shout out to Justin Freeman. He makes these. You can download them on his website. Oh God. And okay. like you, you got to tweak some things to like make mm. it work. But yeah, <laughs> I'll just send you mine. <laughs> Um, so let's talk about the Bengals. Not that we need to. I, why are we talking about the Bengals? I guess because this team feels like a fantasy stay away. But there are other pieces that are going to be affected by this waterfall effect. I want to talk about Joe Mixon. All right. Here. Let's talk about Joe Mixon. 
I was very high on Joe Mixon last season because I believed in his talent, even though, as you like to say, running back talent doesn't matter. Well, I was wrong as hell. So I mean, about Joe Mixon, (laughs) but not about the position in terms in, in relation to the landscape. I'll give you he's wildly electric, right? Like he even produced behind a bottom 10 run blocking unit. But that unit that was bad last year is even worse this year. Yeah. And so while I have um, a pretty generous projection on Joe Mixon, yeah, I start thinking, just hear me out here, right? Because th- uh, let me workshop this with you. So we know Joe Mixon is an incredibly efficient pass catcher too. Like yep. he, he's yep. got an incredible catch percentage. But Boyd isn't really, Boyd's getting a promotion to a job he's not suited for. Yeah. Not that that ever happens. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then uh, Tyler Eifert is a total question mark in terms of his health, right? How many gruesome highlight injuries are we going to see? Who knows? And we've got this Zach Taylor piece who doesn't have a giant resume, but does come from the McVeigh coaching tree. Mm-hmm. And that is a coaching tree that while it talks about lots of passing in an up-tempo pace, also relies heavily on a running back. Mm -hmm. And you've got this awful offensive line. You Mm -hmm. made a point last week about how Frank Reich solved the issue with Andrew Luck, and that was the time-to-throw stat, right? Like, get the ball out fast. So why wouldn't Gio Bernard be in play here a little bit? And potentially eat. I mean, he can line up in the slot. He can also run inside in a way that people seem to forget about. Yes, he's been in the league uh, since what, like 2012, I want to say? Pretty sure I was in college when he got drafted. Something like that. But he hasn't played a full complement of snaps, so his age is not workhorse running back age. Yeah, yeah. And he's available in like... He's he's free. free, He's free. I don't even think he's going drafted, so... If I and this is not a handcuffing issue, but this is a new role. Mixon is going to wear down, especially after all the heroics that he pulled off last year. Why wouldn't you grab Gio Bernard like in the pick before your defense? Yeah, no, it makes sense. And also, by the way, it's not a handcuffing situation, but it's because he could maybe have some standalone value. But if Mixon does. Here's my other point. Hold on. We talk about what McVeigh has done with the running back position, and he didn't have the Chris Thompson West player uh-huh. in yeah. L.A. because Lance Dunbar got himself hurt and wasn't able to play. So now <laughs> that was the dude, though. Yeah, Remember, yeah, that yeah, was supposed yeah, yeah. to be Chris oh, Thompson yeah. West. And so we've got Zach Taylor, who the only thing we can pin on him is that he's going to try to replicate this offense that he was in. Could Gio Bernard be the Chris Thompson Midwest? Perhaps so. <laughs> And he also has the upside of like actually being a runner as a like where Chris right. Thompson doesn't, Lance Dunbar really doesn't. So that if Mixon does ever go down, you do have uh, you have a huge starting asset in fantasy. So, but I think your point, I guess, I'm what I'm getting out of this is that you're probably not drafting Joe Mixon. But I well, I mean, I think Nick Nick Chubb is like the guy that I want all the time. So I want to play a little this or that with Joe Mixon with you because I I have I have a tough time placing him in my tiers not rankings uh as well but first like because people still it drives me nuts that people do this and it doesn't always work out but like the fact that people just want to ignore that these running backs could be these garbage offenses and like oh but they're good like it doesn't matter of course it freaking matters well his production from last year proved that but the the Bengals offense were was pretty good last year. I mean, until they all everyone got hurt. But like early in the season, it was they were they were actually a winning team. 
until AJ Green gets hurt, until Andy Dalton gets hurt, like until some offensive line injuries happen. But anyways, my point being like it was just on my radar because I was at brunch this weekend and a few drinks in, like I saw our, our fantasy handle tweeted out, here are our running back rankings. And do you still rank Zeke at the top? So I'm like, I'm feeling spicy. Like, let me just throw out, you know, quote tweet. Alvin Kamara should be the first pick in drafts. Bye. And of course I get all these people like Saquon Barkley, bro. It doesn't matter about the offense. doesn't matter about the offense. I'm like, you goofballs said this about Todd Gurley back in 2016. And you were all dead ass wrong. Except me. Because yeah, but there's a stacked boxes issue when you're talking specifically about that's, Saquon. That's what I'm and saying. And when you're talking about Zeke in the holdout, like nah, I don't yeah, know, your hammies different. get loose when you're partying in Cabo. That's that's what I'm just saying. But the, specifically for the Barkley, the Barkley, it's, it's so like, it's, hon- yeah. yeah, people honking about. I like you used honking a lot in Fearless Forecast, so you were really on, in oh, on that. Okay. Uh, but people are honking about Saquon Barkley, like oh, it's just just he's that good, whatever. I'm like, yeah, you guys all said this about Todd Gurley in 2016, and like clearly he's freaking good. Saquon Barkley is really freaking good, but it matters about offense efficiency. And I think the same thing can be said for Joe Mixon this year. So point being, you t- I assume you're going Barkley, McCaffrey, Elliott, Kamara, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell all over Joe Mixon. Do it again. Barkley, McCaffrey, Elliott, Kamara, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell. I'm assuming all those are your are ahead, gone. Ahead I don't of have Mixon. them ranked in that order, but right. fine. They're all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just reading off ADP. Yeah. James Conner or Joe Mixon? Neither. Okay. Receiver. But just pick one or the other. I have to pick one. Yeah, I can't just draft one... a receiver right there. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, you're in your rankings. <sighs> um, I would probably pick Mixon. Okay. What about because I know you're not that high on James Conner. What about Todd Gurley or Joe Mixon? Joe Mixon. What about Dalvin Cook or Joe Mixon? Da- Dalvin Cook. Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb. Damian Williams. I re- Damian Williams is tough because that bro's already a little bit dinged, but I love what he could do in a Pat Mahomes offense. Like that just. I'd probably go Mixon. Melvin Gordon? Melvin Gordon. Aaron Jones? Mixon. All right, cool. So I think I see where the dividing line is here. He's, he's still running back one candidate, but yeah, that's I feel like that's how I feel. I feel about the same way. I mean, the point is that, like, I'm not going to draft him because I'm going to pivot to another position. Cool. But, and I my projection form is massive. It's stupid. Same massive. here, yeah, I know. But I can't not, I, I guess the, the Geo Bernard issue is that I think that this offense might be able to support both of these running backs in PPR formats. Yep. Makes so, sense. You want to talk at all about your boy Stanley Morgan or should we move on? I mean. Hold that nug for another it moment. It sounds like we're pretty much avoiding uh, everything that's going on with the Bengals. So I don't. Th- I mean, I liked Stanley Morgan as a draft prospect. That l- I hope he makes the team, but I don't think I'm going to be paying too much attention. True story. Very late one evening, Matt texted me and he was like, you should totally watch Stanley Morgan's tape. You're going to love him. So I did. And I have notes on him. You want to drop the nugs? No. <laughs> I mean, we should save the nug for like when Tyler Boy goes down and then yeah, yeah, they yeah. call him up off the sofa. And then he goes and catches like three passes for three. Who'd you comp yards. him to, though? Just to give the folks at home uh, an idea. Damn, I don't even remember. I wrote Deshaun Hamilton with a question mark and slightly less dynamic slash explosive slash fluid Victor Cruz. Give me a minute. And uh, I can tell you, but yeah. Here's a fun fact about him while Matt finds that. He's from New Orleans and he has an American bulldog named <sighs> Little Little Easy Anna. Three words, Lil Easy Anna, like Louisiana. He got her from a shelter. She's cute. <laughs> I miss, I wrote Stanley Morgan, but I typed Stanley Moran and then Matt Harmon into Google. And I got a, like a lot of mug shots. So I don't know what kind of a sign that is, um, but it can't possibly be good, right? Oh, Willie Sneed. Oh, you wrote Willie Sneed. Okay, so we're not at all. I mean, Deshaun Hamilton, Willie Sneed—that's kind of the same archetype. Yeah, I don't know why I was on a Victor Cruz kick. 
Theo Riddick was cut by the Lions. He's reportedly deciding between the Saints and the Broncos. Do we care? It's huge for Carry On Johnson, but it's huge for Carry On Johnson. But I think we all expected this to happen. Correct. Like in my latest drumbeats notebook from last week, that I Carry On Johnson was the lead, and I think there's been a lot of good buzz about Oh Carry On. I haven't really been all that high on him, but they're going to run the ball a lot, and like if he's got access to all the receiving work, that's great. Boom. But I could care. Le- I could not care less where, where he gets. Where Theo Riddick lands. Yeah. Shut it all down, Derrick Henry. Nah, we're fine. Oh, you think so? Nah, we're fine. They're not worried. Titans aren't worried. The t- the the tough <laughs> that is, by the way, like a compass that you should follow, whether the, or not the temperature in Tennessee the, is hot. The the tough part is the Titans are like not very. They're like the least forthcoming team in the NFL about injuries. Yeah, because they're like a Patriots esque yeah. team. Cute Tennessee. Um. So according to Schefter, the injury could sideline him for a couple of weeks, but it's not considered serious. Not considered serious, Liv. Not that serious. It's a calf strain. I don't know. I owned Leonard Fournette last year. That wasn't fun. Excuse me. We're gonna be all right. You gonna be all right. Leading the league in touchdowns, Derrick Henry. Are you uh Are you thinking at all about Deion Lewis? Similar, similar philosophy. Hold on. I just, love just, De- I love Deion Lewis. Similar thought to the Gio Bernard situation, except Taylor Lewan obviously out for a month, despite this really adorable plea. Um, You've got Marcus Mariota, who's not missed a leg day, but too bad the nerve damage was in his elbow. You got to get this ball out fast. like Liz, you're on fire right now. I don't know. A.J. Brown came up lame first day of practice, first day of training practice. Delaney Walker, like, may not be ready for week one. Jonu Smith, who was drafted to replace Delaney Walker, he's on the pup list. I thought we got good news about Delaney Walker. I mean, he's out there, like, running between cones, but, like, we all seen that. He's 35 years old. And according to Matt Harmon, that is old. That's not so, that old. It's seven and a half years older than you. That's true. And also, uh, we're going to, this whole offense is going to be Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys and Derek Henry on a lame-ass calf. You asked in the control room today when I was sitting in there, I was like, there any news? Um, uh, you that- hit me with some Richie Incognito shit, I am going to punch you. No, no. Oh, okay. why, why would I say that? What is 36. It? Oh, no, no, no. Is there's any news? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> One of the all-time great moments right there. Um, but you asked, is there any news I need to know like that would affect Fearless Forecast that like, just happened in the last couple hours? And I was like, and then I said, I was like, ah, now nah, or whatever. And then right after producer Jackie cut the mic I said actually well there was one uh nug that Marcus Mariota apparently really loves Corey Davis's body language but I don't think she's talking Corey Davis so there you go Corey Davis breakout baby body language but the problem is the only reason I, I mean Deion Lewis yeah like if Derrick Henry went down he'd be a great fantasy pick but, but there's a who, who else is going to be his security blanket but I don't th- like I have the Titans projections are uh, for the lowest pass attempts in the NFL so I'm just not really jazzed about the pass catching back on a team like that all right fine I mean he did evade 62 tackles last year. Yeah, he's, he's good. Had a catch Deion's rate. Always been best good. catch rate among running backs, 88%. Deion's so. freaking amazing. He's a good player. I wish he didn't play in Tennessee. Yeah, true that. Tyreek Hill has a quad bruise. And our own Kimberly Martin, who's at Chiefs training camp uh, right now, live tweeted the injury as Hill was being carted off the field. And by carted off, I mean driven away in a golf cart. So everyone, you can take some big breaths because it looks like Hill is going to escape something catastrophic again. Carts get kind of, you know, they're kind of like get, got a bad name. You know, anytime you hear cart on Twitter, like guy got carted off. It's like, yeah, you're just riding a golf cart off. You know right. what I mean? Like we, we don't all have to hate golf carts. I crashed a golf cart one time. Not when surprised. I was, a kid. I was a kid. It was kind of my sister's fault, but it's a longer story for another day. I don't think we, there's nothing to really say about Tyree Kill, right? I mean. No. Um, just, just a nug telling everybody to chill out. Chill out. Matt. Yes. You like talking about drum beats. 
So would you like to have the floor and rap tap tap? I don't know if you're supposed to do that. Probably not. Drum beats. Yeah, I got got the latest installment of Drum Beats Notebooks coming out tomorrow. Feels like we might have to finally talk about Curtis Samuel. I've resisted for two. No, we've been talking about him since April. In the Drum Beats article, though, Liz, I've resisted discussing Curtis Samuel um, the last two weeks, but it's been a blast being on Twitter every day and just getting constant updates about how he's just crushing it in training camp and the drum beat just he's the perfect he's the perfect drum beats player because a he's good b uh there's like nothing not to like about Curtis Samuel this year i mean he he's he produced when given opportunity last year even as the offense was falling apart around Cam Newton's bum shoulder cam's throwing in camp were good on that for the time being also, this offense is more stacked than ever before, so it's good good, good news. The offensive efficiency is up. He's a clear starter. They can't stop posting about Curtis Samuel. Norv, on the damn pan- lots of hot takes. Norv's calling him a great route runner. You're seeing him just crushing people with routes in camp, which is exactly what he does on the field. Oh, by the way, I mean, there's, there's nothing but positive news about Curtis Samuel, so the haters can get out of here. I don't think there are any haters. Oh, no, there there are still haters, trust me. Really? Yes. Because every that- tweet I see is Matt quote tweeting some beat writer or Norv Turner singing Samuel's praises with either a cigarette emoji or <laughs> retweeting somebody who has said, well, thanks, Norv, but I knew this because I bought the reception perception kit from Matt Harmon. And it is so awesome. Yeah, isn't it's it? It's great. Isn't it great? Yeah. Yeah. So everything I mean, must coming feel together. just delicious when he goes out there and crushes it on the field. That's all that really matters. It's all about what happens on Sundays, Liz. So yeah, Curtis Samuel is going to be great, perfect drum beats player. But there are other what's this Jordan Howard news? I'm here. I mean, there does seem to be like Miles Sanders has this theoretical dual skill set. He's looked like the real deal. It feels like every report is talking up Miles Sanders, the second round mm-hmm. pick. So that makes sense. But Jordan Howard is still taking first team reps, being the man. I don't have a good feeling yeah. about this Eagles backfield at all. So my original read, I think this is where I still stand, is that I think Howard's a pretty good best ball pick because he goes in that gross range of running backs where you're looking at, you know, like the round seven-ish area where there's just not a lot of appealing picks. Howard goes around that range, and I find him to be like, He's got a good weekly ceiling, right? Because he's probably going to get have goal line work. This is a good offense. Touchdowns should be there. But I ain't trying to predict, like, when he's going to be popping in that end zone, you know? So for best ball, cool. My read on Miles Sanders has been that he's a guy I probably don't want to draft, but I want to try to acquire midseason because he might try to – then he might take that backfield over. But this is one where I don't think – the like, the drumbeat out of camp has not been clear. You've mm-hmm. got some people like Brad Evans dancing down your timeline about Jordan Howard – and then you've got like Adam Levitan is tweeting all these articles about how people are clearly saying like Miles Sanders is crushing it. He's going to be taking over this backfield. So it's like I don't think the drumbeat has been clear on this one. I don't know where I and stand. And also, and I think you've made this point before. I think you and I have talked about this offline years ago. Where a player starts week one may not be where they end up, not because of injury, but just because of usage and circumstance particularly usage, actually, by the middle of the season. And so your take can be half right. Like, oh, you can be, I think Sigmund Bloom says this, you can be right and wrong about a player within one season. Yeah. And 
this is a point that like I made to people last year, like people honking in my mentions about remember when you didn't like Aaron Jones and now Aaron Jones is crushing at the end of the season. It's like, and, and people would say this about Nick Chubb too, because I wasn't drafting Nick Chubb at all either. And I'm you know, like Nick Chubb and you're he's crushing at the end of the season. It's like, yeah, jokers. Like I actually have a lot of these guys on my team now. I didn't draft them, but when you idiots went out and drafted them early and then dropped them right. or or get, were giving them away for peanuts to get them off your roster, that's when you go and acquire them. And, and that's the type of player I think that who the hell we talking, Miles Sanders could be. <laughs> Do you have any other drumbeat players you'd like to discuss? I mean, I think Tevin Coleman is like the back to own for sure in, in yeah. San Francisco. And I'm getting more and more convinced of that as the as the well, weeks go on. Well, hurt again. I mean, I guess he's practicing again, but that just seems like a recycle rewash reuse recycle storyline yeah like projecting the 49ers backfield it's pretty clear like that's no thanks well i just i, I think... don't get paid enough <laughs> <laughs> not to project that backfield uh, no thank that's you a, that that's fair that is fair enough but yeah i think this week like there's a lot more like smaller nuggets to go around um you know, I think it's... What about Kalen Balazs? That, well, that, thank you. I was like thinking, I'm trying to stall in my head. Like, who the hell did I write about last You're week? You're welcome. But, I'm in there. Thank you. Kalen Balazs. That's a real thing, right? I, lo- I mean, this will not shock you, but I fell in love with him one, while watching the Senior Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> with Liz and Dave Gettleman up there, uh, just just watching the Senior Bowl, I kicking back. the Senior Bowl, me and John Elway. So, yeah, what I like carry on... Uh, I'm sorry, Kenyon Drake, I was never a buyer of because... When people last year were drafting him so high, they were doing it after basically a four, the the month of December, Mm -hmm. right? Like they were drafting him off of December of 2017. That wasn't a big enough sample size to me to believe that he was an every down back, especially not in an offense that Adam Gase was going to at the time helm. I don't think that Kenyon Drake, despite the miracle at Miami play that he made against the Patriots last year, is somebody who can handle every down and... I have always liked Kalen Balaj. Like he's, he's, he's a big, he's a big he's time big, athlete. Right. But that's the issue. Like athleticism versus college production. Yeah. That was the knock. I mean, he was like not even really the starter at right. Arizona state or whatever, but big time athlete, the dolphins are theoretically a wide open offense. And yeah, I mean, Kenny Drake, like here's the thing. I, for a while have really wanted to hold on to that end of season in 2017, where he had like a couple of like workhorse games where he, I mean, that, that, that was the one we're talking about. Right. Yeah. That was awesome. But also, like, every coaching staff he's played under, if we want to now count this one too, has decided, and going back to Alabama, has decided this guy is a part time player. This is the Lamar Miller 2.0 story. I think it really is. And even Adam Gase, who gave him that workload at the end of that 2017 season, didn't want to do it because after they traded away JHI's, you know, what is dead may never die. Damian Williams was the guy who they wanted to, like, kind of be the starter. And then he got hurt. And his the knock against him was that he was a tiptoer, that he couldn't, like, yeah. plant his foot and go. Yeah, so Balaj, I think. And plus, like, he's, again, totally free. When I wrote the Drumbeats article last week, he's, like, running back 56 ADP. It's like, yeah, just draft that in the Grab end because who, who cares? And also, if and it's not another drumbeat is that Fitzpatrick is, like, going to be the dude in Miami. That's going to make this offense more fun, fantasy-friendly than if Josh Rosen uh, was out there. So that's one. Um, another drum beat that I do want to talk about that I think is mean in this week's article, once I actually write it. Uh, um, there are a lot to write this week. Miles Boykin. Miles Boykin's getting some pop let's, out of— uh, Let's hit a pause. Let's hit a pause. Okay. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about Boykin yet because you and I have very different feelings about Lamar Jackson, 
And I think we should save that for a larger, larger conversation. But we will, as the pros say, tease it right now. And I'm going to write about it for Friday. So, yeah. So we'll have more to talk about that Matt has written next week. Lovely. Great. Um, this weekend, I don't know if any of you know, Brett probably does, but there was a giant movie that Quentin Tarantino and uh, that he directed. Did he produce it too? Oh, he's got his hands in all parts in all the of the, the filmmaking process. And um, Leonardo DiCaprio. I mean, it's like the band got back together. Like There the were old... feet in it. Uh, I, did, I definitely did not see this movie. Um, Brad Pitt was in it. It was like basically all of the Gen X heartthrobs, I think. Gen X heartthrobs? Aren't those Just Gen two X? of them. Well, that, I mean, who has a bigger heartthrob? That's it. They're old to me. Like Leo's I was, a that, multi-generational heartthrob. Let's just say that. Well, that's because he only dates like 22-year-olds. Multi-generational, indeed. He looks so bloated. I mean, I'm sorry. Leo he's, does? Yes. He looks bloated. His face doesn't look good. Well, he's oh, he's older now, right? That's the problem when you have like that sexy baby face. Those dudes don't age well. Yeah. 44 like, years old. Oh, he's not as... I thought he was 50. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I figured he probably had to be in his... 40. And how old is Brad Pitt? He's got to be in his 50s. He's got to be 50s, Yeah, because right? Jen... Oh, girl. 55. He's a 50. Okay, I take it back. He, he looks good for 55. He looks fantastic in this oh. film. And give him the... Like, there is something about watching this movie where you're watching Brad Pitt in a Hawaiian shirt drive down Hollywood Boulevard in the 70s and the music playing and you can feel the, feel the air. Oh, just It's movies. You're like, oh, wow, this is a movie. Yeah, I've They're always been more star. of a TV person than a movie no. person. Me, me too, yeah. 100%. I don't think I have the attention span for a movie. Liz, this is a... <laughs> we are so aligned on this. And, like, some of my very movie-loving friends, like <sighs> Alex Gelhar, hate it when I say this. Because, it, eh, admittedly, it doesn't make I a lot of sense. I cannot sit still for, like, 90 minutes to two hours. Like, you know, that's why I'm like, see, this is the thing. Like, man, you know, at TV shows, I can tap out anytime once. I don't, I didn't get to sit around for 90 minutes. Plus, like, most movies now are, like, two and a half hours. Hours? What is this? Well, this one was 2.45. All right, see, that's oh, what I'm saying. Pass, giant pass. Like, give me a break. I can't sit around for that long. I got stuff to do. And no. then I say that. So I'm like, TV shows, I could pop out anytime one. And then, of course, the natural retort for Alex, who you lived with them. You know, cool. I've watched, I've seen you watch an entire season of New Girl in, like, a weekend, bro. Oh, so. that show is so good. Yeah, so... I heard it, I, I was on a plane recently and I heard the stat that people enjoy films on airplanes better than anywhere else. And I was and, and I was like, oh, huh, that's true. Like, I, I mean, the the film that I watched on the airplane was the um, Rebel Wilson film. It isn't romance. And I was huh? crying like I, I, I'm not like a teary person, I don't think. But I was like crying. I was like, yes, she's going to find love. And I wish I had like fat heroines when I was a kid to watch like the whole thing I was in it and then I saw this thing on Reddit the next day that said the reason people enjoy um, movies on planes more is because of oxygen deprivation so you're like more willing to engage and be emotional I thought it would just be that you don't have anywhere else to go no but isn't that fascinating I definitely like went to the bathroom too and was like (sighs) anyway back to the point so Matt and I both moved from our respective homes, Matt in Virginia, me in Illinois, to Hollywood to create our fame and fortune. And we've done a moderate job at that. <laughs> we're, we've, some people know us and we've got... Most people don't. And we're, some, some people know us, most people don't. And we're making solid money for uh, 
what we would have thought where our lives would have been. At least me, at least. I know. It's, it's in so in, in this voyage, we have some Hollywood stories. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has kind of birthed this idea. I'm going to tell. Are you going to tell a story? Sure. All right. I got, I I'm going to tell. I've, by the way, I've already told my room story. I know. I was going to say my story has to do with Tommy Wiseau. So like I've it, already we're, we're going to tell yeah. our once upon a time in Hollywood stories and then tie them into fantasy football. Yeah, somehow. Thank you. Thank okay. you, Dad. So, Dad, do you want me to go first? Yes. OK, so yeah. I have a couple. I'm going to tell this one. The boys already know about it. But when was this? This is a couple years ago, four years ago, I want to say I was on my way, so I was going to do my first episode of Fantasy Football Live as a member of the Yahoo cast, first ever, but I also got an offer to do this event at Soldier Field with Aaron Andrews. Hmm. And that, so our boss, Jason, said that I could do the episode of Fantasy Football Live out of the Chicago office with Andy by my side. I was very, very nervous, like had watched Fantasy Football Live as a fan and was like, oh my gosh. And then when I got the extra money for this Aaron Andrews event at Soldier Field, I was like, well, I'll take my son, who was two at the time. He just turned two. And I was like, yeah, because then I can stay at my mom's house and see the family and, and like, bring my son with. And so I, <laughs> my two-year-old boy, if any of you have children, like, a two-year-old boy is, to quote Andy Barron's, like, having a wind-up toy. Like, they just do not sit still. And my son is very, very sweet. But I don't, I'm not, like, a patient person. I don't think you could say. <laughs> and so, pass. So we were going and I was carrying like the backpacks and the things and the like he was still in a pull up and I'm lugging the stuff around and it is because and it's filled. It's so the oh my god, the airport was so damn packed. And he's I've I've got him I'm holding on to his little baby backpack and he's being very sweet, but I'm sweating. And at one point I, I'm like near tears because I just could I feel like a Sherpa. And then there's a throng of people as we're at the terminal near the gate and they're all lining up to boards. You know how like everyone like congregates in the middle. And he at that moment like sees something and wriggles out of my grip and It's like the beginning of Jerry Maguire. Is it? The kid runs away in the airport. I don't remember Jerry finds him. Oh, I watched it recently. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, that's right. You had to. So this little two-year-old, the little toe-headed, adorable two-year-old like wriggles through these people's legs and I am completely panicked. Like I cannot see him feeling like the worst mother on the planet. Why did I make this choice not to have a kid, but to bring him along on the flight? Um, And so I just drop all the luggage and I burst after. I was like the tiniest, fastest blonde bullet you'd ever seen. And I burst through this like group of people. And then I see him on the other side. And there is this rather sculpted man, um, like, on his knees, like talking to him. And I realize, and I don't care who it is. And I just like, I'm like, Paxton, come here. You don't run away from mommy. Oh my God. And I'm hysterical. And um, I look into this man's rather sumptuous eyes and realize that it's Ryan Phillippe. And I was like, oh, oh my God, thank you for saving my son. And he was like, no, I have, I have kids of my own. I totally get it. Boys are maniacs. He reminds me of my son, blah, 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 blah. I thank him. He, like, picks up packs, puts him in my arms. And I'm also, like, mostly upset about my kid and, like, trying to recover from that moment. But then being like, did Reese Witherspoon's husband just, was he my hero? Did he just, like, save me and my child? And then, you know, I had to, like, recover all the baggage. So I say that because I was then wondering who is going to be this year's fantasy hero, the one you don't expect 
to show up in that big moment, the one whose reputation maybe isn't in alignment with saving and rescuing, but could be. And I have, write this name down for your damn drum beats notebook, Maurice Harris. Boom! I don't care! I don't care! I will task you, Matt Harmon. You made me watch or encouraged me to... Just shut up for a second. To watch... (laughs) The um, Morgan Stanley, Stanley, Stanley Morgan, Morgan. <laughs> tape. Go back and watch the Washington football team's week nine mm. game against the Minnesota Vikings in 2017. And you tell me that this kid's hands aren't great. You tell me that he does not put together clean routes. You tell me that he can't win contested catches. You will also tell me that he is sluggish when he turns up field and that he is definitely thinking too much after the catch and that he is going to get clothesline real quick. <laughs> but when he is working one-on-one with Tom Brady on the sidelines, I think maybe some of that can be coached out of him. When I am hearing that he is working with the ones ahead of first-round draft pick, pick from this year, Nikhil Harry, I'm listening. When I think about the fact that he is a versatile player who can play inside and outside, I'm paying attention. What are the Patriots famous for? Taking somebody else's trash and turning it into a goddamn treasure? I GD'd it. I'm in. He is free. Throw your darts. (laughs) That was impassioned. It was impassioned. Speaking of Hollywood, great, great scene right there for Liz Loza. (laughs) Um, But I don't know about that. Go watch watch the game. I got a lot of stuff going on. Watch I mean, the game. You know, I got a lot of things. Got a lot of receivers out there I'd like to watch. We'll see. When this one's... Oh, I can't wait till he shows up. Brett, do you have a Hollywood story? I sure do. I would love to hear it. This is a real Hollywood story. Oh, well, all right. This takes place at the Chateau Marmont. Oh! That's a place in Hollywood. Man. I was going to say what? Yeah, don't worry about it. It's not in the bubble. Yeah. Anyone who's anyone has died at the ho- at the Chateau Marmont. Died think, or dined? I think John Belushi died at the Hotel Marmont. Chateau Marmont. At the hotel at the Chateau. So I'm there with some friends and an un- and, a, and a television star who I will not name. Oh, I just named Two it. television stars who I shall not name. But because they're not part of the story, I go out. A friend wants to have a cigarette. I don't want a cigarette, but I'll hang out with the friend on the patio. You are great like I that. sit down on the bench. There's a bench in this little patio. There's not many benches. There's like two or three. They're all taken. There's one empty one. I sit down with my friend to have a cigarette. And who should appear but the nerdy guy from the Black Keys, Patrick Carney, the guy with glasses from the Black Keys. We have, okay, you're you're too old and you're too young to know who the Black Keys Dude, are. I know, I know who the, I know who the, the Black, Black Keys, Keys are. are. Give me a break. I just you, don't think I'd recognize them. Oh, I, yeah. well, you'd recognize this one. He's the recognizable one. He's the one with the nerdy looking face. Anyways, he's like, <laughs> he points at me and my friend and he says, can I sit there? And I say, no. Because <gasps> no. it's a two-seater bench. It was more <laughs> like. big time, dude. It was more Ma'am. like. It was more like. It was more like. Get up. Oh. I'm going to sit there. So oh. that was his tone. I don't know what he said in the moment. And I said, no. And he's like, and he pulled a, do you know who I am on me? I mean, I pulled out the Whole Foods, but. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. I mean, do they? <laughs> Liz, Liz pulls that on me. <laughs> so, so he pulled a, do you know who I am 
on me for a bench at a, on a smoking patio. And I said, no. And he got, he got testy. His wife had to come in and apologize. Wow. So to bring this to fantasy, I have taken some of the advice that you've given on this very episode, Matt, about players who scream, do you know who I am? Yes. I'm saying this because I don't think anybody in my fantasy league listens to this podcast, but I am attempting to trade in a auction keeper league, Saquon Barkley. Mm. Oh, right. Because this for a while, folks. Mm I, I'm, I've, I've almost completed the deal. Thanks for sharing your podca- or your fantasy podcast that you produce with your fantasy league mates, by the way. They, they know I work here. Thanks for listening. They can listen. Brett's listening. Friends. Thanks for listening, friends. <laughs> Ryan, please email me to complete the deal. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I've been taking your advice to heart. When a player's like, do you know who I am? I must sit here on your fantasy team. I'm not buying it. He's going to cost a lot of money to get, you know, eight, nine in the box against them all year. And I'm not going to sit through that. And I'm going to invest in other players. Snaps. What's Snaps. your fantasy story? What's your Hollywood story? So that my is also a fantasy lesson. Matt. Yeah, I haven't really quite got to the fantasy part of it yet. But the one one of the very few Hollywood uh, encounters I have here. And this was my this was last summer. I went to, um, some of you will know, my favorite band is Dawes. Uh, the lead singer is married to Mandy Moore. When I was at, they were playing a free show at the Amoeba record store in Hollywood. Do you know what a record is? Mike? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those little spinny things that makes the... I mean, I don't even know, so... Yeah, people are like, you look like you would be a record guy. I'm like, ah, come on, give me a break. Like, just put a put the freaking uh, Spotify on and the, one of the Bluetooth speakers. Oh, it's a little more. Yeah, I got. So you were at the Amoeba. Yeah, yeah, at the Amoeba. On sunset. And I, but I do, I do have the record of their most recent album because if you uh, went and bought the record there, you could meet the band and they would sign it. And this was like a religious experience for me. But of course, the the story is not about these four uh, goofballs that are in this band as I'm walking to get backstage to meet the band and get the record signed, a figure emerges, a specter, a, a specter emerges. And, you know, I'm going through the, the, the basic line <laughs> and this person's going through the express line. And I almost barrel into Mandy Moore, like complete oh. knock her over. And she looks at me and goes, Oh, Excuse me, I'm sorry that I was in your way. And I was like, yo, like, Mandy, I'm in your way, all right? Like, let's be clear. I'm the schlub in this situation. So, like, also, this is us. Great show. Blah, blah, blah. Didn't say that. Just was, I was probably, I think what I actually did was like, it's fine. So, I think. um, How'd she look? It's great. She's 35. I just want to say it. Oh, no. I mean, she looks great. She looks fantastic. Good. Go Not on. fantastic for 35 years old, just purely fantastic. fantastic. I, hear like, I hear lovely things about her. She seems super nice, and I would like to believe that, you know, I mean, Taylor Goldsmith's writing, the lead singer of Dawes, is incredible. And I think, you know, a, a man of him, his his uh, writing, you know, it's mostly sad, tragic stuff, but it's taken a much more pleasant turn because... He's in love now. He doesn't have to be as tragic and miserable anymore. And it's, that's a great feeling. So which fantasy players are allowing you to not be so tragic and miserable, Matt? You know, that's the great question because they're all making me pretty miserable at some point or another. Um, I think that when you look at 
the running back landscape. Someone that in previous years I've never really been in on. Um, I think most people are kind of leaving for dead. Because I would say that Mandy Moore's kind of had like a career renaissance, you know. She She's had careers. Ryan, Ryan Adams, right? Yeah. yeah. Screw you, Ryan. She's with a real man now. And uh, I think that the that Mark Ingram is with oh. a real team now in Baltimore that wants to... I'm just becoming more and more excited about this Ravens offense. I don't know how it's going to look, but I know that there's a lot of ways that it can look really fun. And I find myself hammering Mark Ingram in the fourth round in drafts. How and are like, your feelings like, about Justice Hill? Like I almost hammered into Mandy Moore in this uh this 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 damn record store, barreled her right over. I think Mark Ingram would be barreling over opposing defenses in 2019. Now, th- th- that's an interesting point about Justice Hill, who I'm also really high on. I think he could play a role. And I actually just think, you know, there's there's been a lot of uh yapping out of Ravens camp of just like Mark Ingram himself has said like there's so many different run plays in this mm-hmm. um in this playbook. And I just think like the combination of Lamar Jackson back there, who I think is the most enthralling runner since Michael Vick uh that we've seen in the that's NFL. That's a pretty standard take right now. I mean that yeah. that is what everybody is saying. Oh, for sure. And I mean like that I'm was, not saying that to disparage oh, your no, take. I'm just yeah, saying just, that that is common, common knowledge. knowledge. Yeah, yeah, right. Um like I remember watching because it was one like you could watch him in college and be like, "Damn, this guy is an unbelievable runner." But then, like, I think it was the his second or f- first his second start. First start was against the Bengals. Second start was against the the Falcons. And like, you know, everybody's like, oh, "He's just running too much, running too much." I'm like, "Yeah, he's running too much." But like, man, watching him run in that game, I was like, "This is something really special." He's a special runner. Passing, we'll see. Uh, but. Ingram, I think, fits really well. I think Justice Hill brings, like, a great explosive element. Um, everybody's favorite uh, boy, Kenneth Dixon, is still there. I mean, he'll probably get cut, so who cares? But um, Gus Edwards is still there. Gus Edwards is still there. And, like, Lamar Jackson, his threat as a runner turned, like, Gus Edwards into, like, a top five freaking right. fantasy back. Like, what can Mark Ingram do in this system? I I just find myself more and more, like, excited about this. I mean, Mark Ingram's not really having a renaissance. Like, I don't know if Manny Moore's, like, having a renaissance, but, you know, I think their second, the second acts of their career could be even more enthralling than the first. Well done, Matt. Thank you for pulling that all together. You guys, if you haven't guessed, right, football season's here. Training camps are open. Everyone's got their summer season bodies going. It's great, but... I, I don't know about that. Starting Tuesday... Playing his way into shape. I'm playing my way into shape. I was in good shape before I left for vacation. Now I'm... Uh, I'm, I'm in eye shape. Starting Tuesday, <laughs> we will return to twice-a-week pods. Tuesdays and Fridays are when they will post. I believe we have some special guests to ring in the occasion on Tuesday the 6th, so be sure to keep an eye out for that. Can we say it? Yeah. I mean, you've already tweeted it, Matt. Right, but not everybody that, you know, the trillions of listeners that we get on this podcast don't all follow me on Twitter. They should, though. I mean, they should, at Matt Harmon underscore BYB on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, at Liz Loza underscore FF on Twitter and Instagram. But I did tweet earlier this week that we are going to have the fantasy footballers on our next show. Indeed. Andy, Mike, and Jason, they will all be in studio. There will be some video content coming out as well. I don't think, is this podcast going to, is it going to post before the damn live stream tomorrow? Uh, questionable. Questionable. Well, hey, if you missed it, <laughs> go to at Yahoo Fantasy. We're going to have the live stream up, whole video show of Liz uh, and those three goofballs all talking. <laughs> Liz and but on Tuesday, on Tuesday we'll be reposting the live stream on our YouTube page. Oh, yeah, YouTube.com slash Yahoo Sports. While you're waiting for our next episode to drop, if anything comes up, you've got questions about 
fantasy football, marriage, dogs, Bad losing language. your children at the airport, potentially falling in love momentarily with Ryan Phillippe, whatever it might be, call our voicemail line at 888-85-YAHOO, 888-85-YAHOO. I don't know why I always spell it out, but I do. And Matt, you still got a podcast going on. Rookie Orientation, subscribe wherever you get podcasts this week. Uh, Brett and I are fighting about which episode we're going to have this week, but we'll see uh, what comes up. Right now, this week, we have Dwayne Haskins and got a lot of wordy guests on there, but it was an interesting episode. Um, I'm doing it on the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast. Therese Paler was calling from D.C., the D.C. area, where he was talking about how Haskins could take the starting job this summer. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, give me a break. Like, give me, give me break. Likely their schedule's, a, their schedule's a little rough in September, but probably be... Uh, flowers protecting the blind side, man. That's it. That's how it. have the Texans not... Well, I know how because they don't have well, a GM. Well, you saw the, the, the Washington like completely disrespected Trent Williams, and now he's like, sorry, you won't pay me, and you're not nice to me, Fangul. That's what like, I'm saying. Flowers, oh, the turnstile, is going to kill your, your rookie franchise your, player. Your non-mobile... Franchise yeah, your QB, yeah. Good luck with that. Trey Quinn, Nick, baby. Nick Foles. I did see someone, my buddy Charles McDonald, who's on some of the rookie orientation episodes actually from SB Nation. He uh he said he's like Josh Doxon had an incredible practice. Like he's had a couple of incredible practices. I'm like, woof. Not well, not again. If that's your if that's your standout. But this episode clearly a standout of ours. We're we're ranging <laughs> into <Clearly>. form. <laughs> You can follow me on Twitter at LizLows underscore FF. You can follow this guy at Mount Harmon underscore BYB. And you can also follow Yahoo at Yahoo Fantasy. Bye. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> Auto Trader.